Voltron will be back after these messages. And now, back to Voltron, Defender of the Universe. Welcome, Voltron fans. This is Mark Morell, your host for Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast for the first time in 2023. We have a special guest today, but I have to bring on my co-host, Greg Tyler. Welcome, Greg. Hello, Mark Morell. Hello, Voltron fans across the universe. We're back. We have a special guest. Uh, I, for one, have been wanting to talk with this gentleman for at least three or four years. So it's wonderful that uh, we finally reached out to him and he was uh, gracious enough to uh, to respond. And, and he's on with us today. And who do we have, Mark? Okay, so he's a freelance comic book artist and industrial designer. Uh, he's worked for Marvel, Skybound Entertainment, IDW, DDP, and Image Comics. And of course, he was one of the artists on the DDP Voltron Defender of the Universe with Dan Jolly back in 2004. So welcome, EJ Sue. Hi, everybody. Thank, thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you on. Uh, we've admired your work both in, with Voltron and outside of Voltron for quite some Thank time. You. So it's Thank wonderful you. to have you on. Yeah, and I I have to start this off by apologizing, EJ, because we have had actual requests since 2014 to have you on. And, and this is the first time I've been able to get it all together. So I apologize because we are, we're coming up into our 10th year of the podcast and we've been having people ask about you since the beginning. Wow. <laughs> I was I was not aware of that, but now that I do, now yeah. that I am, you know, hey, it's even one more uh, amazing to have you here. So so I, I apologize to all the, the fans of Let's Voltron for not getting EJ on earlier. So thank you for, for coming with us, EJ. Oh, I'm glad to be here. So uh, obviously we want to talk about the work that you did with Voltron. But we also know that there's a, a ton of other stuff that you've done. And anybody who likes anything with anything that's related to Voltron, you've probably drawn it some at some point in your life, right? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so you've you've worked with Transformers, you've worked with Ultraman, X-Men, Venom, uh G.I. Joe versus Transformers, uh uh just Astro Boy, uh, is is there anything you haven't touched, really, that you would still like to touch? Well, there are a lot of stuff that I would love to touch. Um, yeah, uh, Incredible Hulk, for uh -huh. one, Batman, uh, Superman, all these classic characters. You know, I, I would love to get a hand on it. Uh, also, recently, we have seen some of the common uh, writer comics coming out from mm -hmm. I think was uh, I can't remember what publisher but uh, you know that was also one of the property that that I grew up loving so you know it, it would be nice to be able to you know one day do something for it okay cool so, so you mentioned uh, growing up, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background, where where you've come from, and how you uh, got into uh, illustration and art and all that? Um, I was born in Taiwan, uh, so, and since we're very close to Japan, and 
everything, comics, animation, all came from Japan. So I was exposed to exposed to Japan, Japanese animation, comics, ever since I could I could read. Uh, I remember when I when I when I was little, one of my dad's friend took me to a comic book store and bought me a bunch of Japanese comic. It was like Ultraman, Kamen Rider, um, and a bunch of other stuff that, that I can't remember right now. But but Ultraman and Kamen Rider are two of the things that stuck with me throughout the year. So, you know, ever since I can remember, this is something I want to do. You know, just draw comic for a living. And I have tons of other interests too, but I know eventually I want to come back to comic no matter what. And, um, you know, basically I'm leaving my dream right now. Well, that's wonderful. Not many people can say that. So that's, that's, that's a great thing to hear. Um, I, I guess uh, one of the things that you're very well known for uh, is Transformers and having worked on Transformers, both for comic book publishers and also uh, doing some artwork for Hasbro itself. Uh, can you uh, can you can you talk about not only Transformers specifically, but your interest in giant robots and and bringing those to the page? Well, I think the first giant robot that I can remember was uh, Maxinger Z. Yeah, you know that was that's one thing I watched religiously, and uh, you know back then we had Maxinger Z. We we, I mean they have like tons of different series of Magazine Z. Mm -hmm. And I watched that religiously. And then I got into Voltron a little bit back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, also, I I also got into uh, Gundam. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I saw Gundam, you know, back back in the day, robots are like, it's, it's a little fantastical. You know, as a kid, you you love it, but but when you, as you grow out, you you realize some of the joint doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You don't really engineer correctly. Right. But right. when Gundam came out, it was like put a whole new spin on robots, and you know, it, mechanically they they work like they look like they work. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things that fascinates me that. You know how do you get the robot to work and and you know when I saw Gundam, I I sometimes just take piece of paper and try to fashion the robot out of out of the papers, you know, making joint works and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And my parents don't buy me a lot of toys, and you know those Japanese toys are very very expensive back in the day, so mm -hmm. I don't yeah. get. So, so basically, I'm building my own toys out of paper, out of you know, try try to do the best I can, you know, and plus my imagination. So, you know, that's where my fascination with robot came in. But but you really got a a good skill set when it comes to three D modeling, don't you? Yeah, I I I like to do that. You know, it it's 
it's kind of taking what I did as a kid. You know, I cut up paper and making joints and all that kind of stuff with paper. Instead mm -hmm. of doing that, I'm doing it on a computer and it's much easier. You know, I it's it's much cleaner, it's not messy, you don't you don't deal with glues and you know that kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So so when you say 3D modeling using the computer, do you use 3D modeling tools to uh to assist you in your uh your artwork or uh not as much before, um, because in a way, the rendering engine wasn't as you know as good as what it is right now. Nowadays, you can build a model and kind of translate into line art. And but when you do that, even today, when you do that, those line art are a little. It's not, it's, it doesn't feel as alive as drawn by hand. So that's a fair, fair point. Yeah. So, so basically, even though I could do that, but I would still prefer do it by hand. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have experiment with it, but you know, those lines just doesn't come out the way I wanted it. Sure. You know, all, all the human error. It it adds a lot of character to a drawing. I agree. And and I I must say as uh, as uh, we were reviewing, uh, going back and looking at your your Voltron work from two thousand four, and uh, it's it's just I mean the hand drawn the organic nature of it gives it a, a lifelike quality that you would not get from a straight three D render. So right. I definitely agree with you that that hand drawn has has a has a unique quality, and of course it's unique to every artist. So there's right. that as well. Correct. There have been things that you've drawn where it it's a giant robot, and maybe in the foreground or beside the giant robot, you have regular sized people. How do you how do you determine the perspective from an artist's rendering of a giant robot real people and how you do the size and scope and all that kind of stuff how do you how do you figure it out <laughs> that's an interesting question um it's just that uh, uh when you're drawing robot is such a huge size compared to human mm -hmm. a lot of time i would look at a a, a drawing and and thinking Okay, does this human fit into that robot where the pilot is gonna supposed to be fit inside? Yeah. Um, you know that kind of come into factor into how I would proportion the human, and in order to to look like, um, you know, to as establish the perspective. Um. To me, perspective is very important to establish the shot because once you have the perspective correctly established, you you kind of put the reader into that environment as well. So you'll see, um, you get that that 
uh, foreground and background, and you know, it, it, it you get that feel that that you're actually right there with the with the character and the robot. Um, and to answer your question, I'm not really sure. It's kind of in, it's kind of just kind of second nature to me at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what else I did differently. So yeah. it's, it's hard to answer that question for me. I, Greg and I, I like to, to try to see if we can get our figures from Voltron to fit into the robots themselves. And over the years, we haven't really had that opportunity very often. Um, yeah, they, they haven't made too many of the Voltron toys with actual pilots, that's for sure. Yeah, they've, they've made them with little pilots like this size, yeah. <laughs> about the size of your nose, but uh, not the the full, like, what what is it, the four and three quarter inch or whatever figures? Yeah, yeah. And, and and frankly, with with Voltron in particular, you don't see people uh, juxtaposed with the lions or the robots very often. And of course, a lot of that is because the robots are fighting other giant things rather mm -hmm. than just walking down the street with a normal person. That the the opportunity isn't really there very much. But in the comics that you worked on, I think you you uh, you juxtapose those far more often than the actual anime did. Which uh, which which gives that extra sense of perspective, you know. When you just see the robot fighting a row beast, it's hard to know exactly how big it is because right. they're out in the wilderness with trees and hills. But but unless you have a real uh, an object, a very well known everyday object like a car or a human being, it's difficult to get that sense of scale sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you sold that concept of scale very well. Well, thank you very much. I, I'm glad people feel that way. Um, I guess it a lot of it is has to do with the camera angle, like how you fit, uh, where you place your camera in order to have the human and the robot in the shot and, and, and to look correctly, mm -hmm. you know? That makes sense. So and so, you say that uh, you you had told us that uh, you got interested in illustration from when you were a child, uh, making uh, paper models of uh, some of your favorite robots, and and uh, and then you eventually moved into comics. And how did you make that? Uh, how, how did you become involved in the comics industry? Back in early two thousands. Uh, message board were very popular mm -hmm. so you know i i back back then i i i jump on message board and you know i a lot of people that are you know have the same interests as i i do uh people posting their artwork and and Eventually, I woke up the courage to do that myself, um, and uh, I met a lot of people that that eventually moved into doing comics as well. Um, like Robert Kerman, I met him over message board. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we we get to work on some project together. Uh, that's 
kind of how I get started is is that you know a few friend of my back in the day with the with message board group and we kind of put put out this this self-funded comic um uh, we put it out and and uh robert kerman helped us publish it um you know we use that as a as a sample package to send out to publishers and mm-hmm. and pretty soon some of uh people are start you know a lot of pe- a lot of publishers read the comics and they kind of like what they see and start contacting people that work on the comics and i was one of them so you know that's where i got started was, and, uh, was that tech jacket? Well, since well, that wasn't well. The message board didn't directly uh, lead to tech jacket, mm-hmm. but um, but since I, we I met uh, I met Robert Kerman through message board. Mm-hmm. We were pitching for Transformer comic back in the day, before okay. Dreamwave got their license. Ah. Uh, so, you know, he wrote some some you know plot and and uh, a story for to submit into, and I did some some artwork to submit into Hasbro for license approval, but uh, eventually the the license went to went to Dreamwave and Robert told me that, uh, oh, hey, we, we have this story already. Um, he's, he's, gonna, he's gonna rework some of the storyline into a new comic, which eventually turned into Tech Jacket. Ah, okay. okay. So uh, Tech Jacket has also been featured in the Invincible comics. Right, and um, and I'll, I'll bet it's one of your your hopes that that character will eventually show up in the animated version of Invincible too, right? Yeah, yeah, that would also that's that's one of my wish. <laughs> I, <laughs> that would be cool. We yeah, are, that would oh, be. Wow. I mean, I mean not angry. a lot of people can say that your creation is being made into animation. Right, exactly. So, all like all of your heroes, you 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 like uh, uh, Astro Boy uh, and uh, Mazinger Z and all that kind of stuff came from some of your favorite manga artists, right? Right. Yeah, uh, they're my big influence. As as I was as I was saying earlier, that um, I grew up reading these comics. And I read everything that Osamu Tezuka drew. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was the king of Japanese comics, basically. Right. So, you know, I I I love everything that he does, and uh, he was a huge influence on me. I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't draw like him, but right. he's definitely one of the biggest influence in my life. I I just wanted to, to touch on something quickly. When when you uh started with Devil's Due, uh 
I read that you had had before working on Voltron, you had worked for a time on uh, Micronauts. Is that right? Who? Micronauts. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah. So was that your introduction to Devil's Do? Um, you know, it was so long ago. I'm not so sure. But okay. I think that was the, yeah, I think that was my first project with Devil's Do. Okay. And Michael now was very exciting for me because I love the Japanese version, the Michael Man. Mm -hmm. And Michael Man was, was Michael Man toys was, was eventually some of the Michael Man toy line eventually turned into Transformers. So right. a lot of a lot of what I love is kind of interconnected in some way. You know, it's it's and it's very exciting for me as a creator that grew up with these kind of stuff. And you know, I get to work on Michael Man, work on Transformer, work on Voltron, mm -hmm. and you know, Godzilla. Ultraman, hopefully more in the future. So I, I kind of wondered uh, when you were making the DDP comics for, for Voltron, did you ever think of designing Pidge to be a little bit like Mega Man? Mm, I'm not sure that ever crossed my mind. Okay. I just wondered. <laughs> was there something remind you of Mega Man? Uh, volume two, issue two from the DDP Voltron Defender of the Universe Paradise Lost. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to show a little bit of my screen here. All right. So you can see in the middle of the screen there, that there's the Pidge design with the uniform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if there was any influence whatsoever from Mega Man at all in, in that. Uh, okay, now you mention it. I see what you're saying. But I think the uniform was designed by someone else. Ah, okay. Okay. Gotcha. That was one of my questions for you was, was who redesigned these uniforms for the comics? Well, there there were several artists on that. There was uh, Helensky. Um, Wasn't I work on volume two? Was I was I on volume two? Yeah, yeah. So so it turns it turns out that the first set of comics that um, that Devils Do created were actually um, distributed by Image. So there was a, a short series that came out from Image, and then Devils Do uh, published and distributed its own comics, and those are the ones that, that you uh, that you had worked on. Right, right, right. right. So, um, so that's that's the first image I wanted to show, and and that was when uh, all the pilots got their uniforms for the first time, and it was the the reason that they said that they were different colors not necessarily everybody was the same color was because they got them from a bombed out armory. So they were just scavenging the uniforms mm -hmm. from a bombed out armory. Okay. So in this one issue, uh, we get to see 
We get to see all the all the Voltron pilots. We get to see all the Voltron lions, right in this picture right here. Then we also get to see the space mice. The Devil's Due Publishing iteration of Voltron was the first to suggest that the space mice are uh, mechanical, robotic, rather than the organic mice from the anime. Um, do you recall whether that was imposed by the story and you drew to the story? Or is this something that you or, or one of the other artists might have created that, that influenced the story? Um, I, If I remember correctly, it was dictated in the script mm -hmm. okay yeah so so dan jolly was was one of the first ones to introduce that the the space mice could be mechanical right yeah and speaking of mechanical in the previous image that you shared mark one thing i noticed about the voltron lions is that although they were very evocative of the lions from the original anime the legs in particular had a much more uh realistic mechanical structure to them um they okay. didn't you know there, there's always a bit of magic in the anime that shows how the you know the legs are moving and all that but they don't uh you know there's a lot of uh i guess you could say artist magic or animation magic behind the 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 motion and uh, the articulation of the lion legs in the anime um, was that something that you um, introduced or or influenced, uh, EJ, uh, as you drew those lions for the comic? Oh, yeah. Well, before I start working on this comic, I did a host, a few design sketches on how those robotic legs would retract and, and, you know, fit into each other. Um, mm -hmm. I think I have an image online of my design sketch too. Uh, okay. it's, it's it's one of those things that that I'm very concerned about is that it needs to look realistic in a realistic environment. Um, to me, to me, they need to look like they actually function. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of those things that, that I'm very, I'm very particularly about is a mechanical mechanic needs to work rather than, you know, rely on, on some, you know, magic of animation or magic of artwork to, to make something work. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, that when, when I get a project like this, you know, it, it's like, it's like, it's like me in the candy store. You no, know? <laughs> you know, I look at the old animation. I would, I, I would say, oh, okay, that doesn't work. How do I make it work? And okay. that's one of the things I want to bring into a project is that things need to work correctly. Well, you, you certainly cool. introduced in this comic uh, a sense of realism. I mean, you, you can see the, I, I'm looking there like at the rear legs of the blue and and red lions. Uh, there's a real sense that the, those joints uh, can actually work as opposed to, again, I go back to the anime. As much as we love the anime, um, those joints didn't do anything. I mean, they, they were sort of vague shapes that uh, 
really wouldn't interact with one another very well in the real world. <laughs> yep. You see that one? Yeah. Do you, do you remember what that is? <laughs> yeah. That was supposed to be the third Voltron. Right. All right. So yeah. this was Albagas. So all within one one issue, we had all three Voltrons because we had uh, the Lion Force Voltron Lions. We had Albagas here. And you can see, they say, oh, it looks like some kind of Voltron knockoff. <laughs> Guess that version didn't take, huh? Guess not. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> but but you got to include it in this in this uh, issue, which was awesome. Yeah, it was go ahead. Written into the script, uh, it was meant to be like a Easter egg for you know for the people who's in the know. Right. So on that on that point, because you know when, when you're featuring three Voltron robots the five lions, the 15 vehicles that form the vehicle-based robot, Die Rugger, and then this one, it was, it's only seen here, it's not seen separated. That's a lot of mechanical designs just in the Voltron robots and their components. Um, how much How much did you have to, you know, you talked about how you, you, you worked to make the lion legs and joints seem as if they could actually function. Did you find that you had to tweak the designs of uh, the robots themselves and perhaps even the vehicles that form the Die Rugger robot? Did you find that you had to tweak those designs a little more to to add to their uh, uh, realism? Well, I try to do as much as I can. Like for this one shot, there's not much going on. It's basically the old design. Uh, I didn't do a whole lot to it, but the vehicle Voltron, I tried to add a little bit of uh, mechanical into it, uh, even though it's not as extensive as the uh, the original Voltron, the Lion robot. Uh, uh, but uh, I do try to make the joints where they join together to 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 look a little more realistic, mm -hmm. and uh, there wasn't. I mean, I wasn't allowed to redesign the whole thing, but otherwise, okay. I would have. So this okay. this is all the fifteen vehicles from Vehicle Voltron, all in one shot. Yep. So, so when you have a, a drawing like this, I mean, it's, it's one thing to have one lion or one vehicle, but when you're drawing 15 of them in perspective in one shot with a background, how, how much more complex is this from a penciling perspective and a, and a layout perspective than, uh, than a more typical panel might be? It takes a lot more time but it's not as as complex as you may think. It's, okay. it's all one single perspective. You know, they're not, the vehicles, they're not all facing different direction and right. that would create a lot of problem. But right now they're all lined up and they're all following the same exact perspective. So, you know, laying them out is not that much trouble. It's just, it's just the time it takes to,
you know, draw all the single details. Mechanical, mechanical takes a lot more time than drawing organic human or, you know, robust or, um, uh, or monsters. Right, like kaiju, so, right? Right, yeah. So, so it just takes more time, but it's not too complicated. Okay. Okay. That, that just, as a fan of the vehicle-based uh, Voltron, I, I I love seeing imagery like this. So yes. to me, this is like gold. This this <laughs> having having all of these in one issue is like amazing that you're the artist that got to do all this because oh, there isn't many comic issues of any Voltron that have all of this in one issue. So I just want to say congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Because not only do we have all these vehicles, we all also have all the pilots <laughs> all in one now, shot. So now, since the Lion Force characters had been featured, uh, potentially designed, like their their uniform redesigns might have been by by another artist. For for example, for the the from that the image, the the comics published or distributed by Image. Uh, did you directly design these? Do the redesigns on these? Because these have a very different. I mean, there there's a similar motif here to the the Lion pilot uniforms. But but they're clearly distinct, also. So, do you recall whether you designed these these outfits? That this was the first appearance of these uh, of all of these characters. You know, I I don't remember. I wish I can answer you, but I don't remember. Okay. And and you know, thinking back to two thousand four. Um, the internet was certainly around at that point, but uh, a lot of the references would not have been as readily available then, presumably as they are today. So when you are drawing 15 of these characters, did uh, did World Events Productions provide any reference images for these characters, or were you pretty much left on your own to find whatever you could? I think I, f I got a file of these characters. Okay. But I don't remember for sure, but I did have reference some somewhere. Um, I mean, I do look it up myself, but I think I got some some sort of reference from all event production. Okay. I mean, you certainly caught the essence of each of the 15 pilots. I, I It still impresses me to see this many people in one shot and right. and if you know the uh, the anime uh, or the Voltron adaptation, you can you can figure out who's who. That's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, thank you. This is great. So having Albagas, Dirugger, and Go Lion all in one issue, it, it was this issue right here. Okay. So this this was the second issue of the the volume two. Paradise Lost from Voltron Defender of the Universe back in 2004 from DDP. And thank you, EJ Sue, for bringing that to us. Um, we have uh, 
at the end of that issue, by the way, I wanted to point out that they have some uh, what they called the Planet Doom Postal Service. <laughs> okay. It was, I've forgotten that. It was basically letters to the editor kind of thing. <laughs> and one of our friends, Danny DeWald, had actually gotten hers published. That's fun. Yeah. And she she made a, a very nice, she said a very nice thing about EJ in here. So I just want to read this aloud. Is that all right? Okay. Okay. So um, first she talks about Dan Jolly and then she goes into EJ. So I'll start with the Dan part. Uh, Dan did a remarkable job in pulling me into this world, into his vision and making me want to know what he is doing to make Voltron recapture that passion, the fascination I was lured to when I first watched the TV series. He's done a remarkable job on the first miniseries, and I must say that with issue number one of the second miniseries, he has done something that has made this fan nearly cry. He's outdone himself in taking his vision and making sure that we are along for the roller coaster ride. E.J. Sue's introduction to the series is a godsend. I'm new to his style, but I'm in awe of his talent. It's good of Devil's Due to bring on the many talents so far to a comic book series that was 20 years in the making. So that's that's from Danny, and, and she said, keep up the good work, guys. You've definitely turned me from being critical of the comic to a huge fan. Wow. So... And she's been a fan ever since, of course. Wow. She's been a fan for many, so, many years. So that was a 19-year-old fan letter to you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, many, many people still regard these comics very highly. Um, you know, much has been said in, in uh, many positive things have been said about, uh, in particular, the Netflix Voltron Legendary Defender show um, for... Uh, rebooting the Voltron concept and and modernizing it a little bit. Uh, and I would say that to many of the uh, original generation fans of Voltron, this comic did the same thing, the same kind of thing. And uh, it, it holds a very special place in many, many uh, Voltron fans' hearts. So, yeah. So thank you very much. So, yeah. So one thing that that uh, that you uh, are are probably much more widely known for uh, in the giant robot vein is Transformers, and um, you had mentioned that you had worked had worked through message boards with uh, uh, folks such as Robert Kirkman to to become an, you know to to do some work for Transformers, but ultimately you did wind up uh, getting involved in that. How, how did that happen? DDP did. Ended up doing a uh, Transformer versus GI Joe comic. Yeah, and I think I I was working on Volume Two as well. And uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with directly uh, lead me into doing Transformer for for IDW. Mm -hmm. But uh, doing all these time, I've been working with Hasbro on their uh on their like character art and um uh, there was like a uh uh it's called transformer genesis like some kind of 
Transformer Encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. I did some work in that. Um, it it's it's pretty surprising to me that you know I didn't I didn't think I was known in the Transformer world because Dreamwave was so big at the time. They were so popular, and um, it took me surprise by surprise that the IDW would contact me, someone who's not known in Transformers, to do their luncheon title. So, you know, when when I get that email from from IDW, I'm like, I'm not asking any question. Where you got my information? <laughs> I'm not asking any question. I just say yes. I'm I'm gonna do it. I love to do it. I I, you know, it it's it's up. It's an opportunity of my lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't even pass up on, you know, to do a Transformer comics. Um. You know, I I've been love it ever since. It's 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 one of my bucket list. You know, mm -hmm. to 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 work on my childhood, uh, the property that I grew up watching and grew up loving. And uh, it's a, uh, it's there's no word that I can express how much I, I, I'm glad that I get to work on these properties. Right. Now, Transformers, there have been so many iterations of Transformers over the years and so many characters in each iteration. If if someone were to ask you, as I'm about to do, do you have any favorite characters, whether it's from a pure character perspective or from a visual design perspective that, that you would consider favorites? Transformers? Yeah, yeah. Um, there are many uh the one character that uh, that I think I want to call favorite is probably Grimlock. Grimlock. <laughs> Thought you uh, might say that. Because basically, basically, I I love dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. I mean, dinosaur and robot. What can go wrong, right? Yeah, that's Jurassic true. Park is one of your favorite movies too, right? Yeah, it is. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, oh yeah, I, I watch it many, many times. Yeah, it still holds up so well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Grimlock is definitely a great one, and 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 yeah, it was yeah. a great combination, robot and dinosaur. Do you yeah. have a favorite? I I didn't I didn't ask you that question about Voltron. Do you have a favorite uh, Voltron character or Voltron robot? I would say the green, green lion. Okay. Because he's the, um, what would you describe him? He's the, the youngest in the family, and mm -hmm. he's the, in a way, he's the underdog. Mm -hmm. You know, That's true. I, yeah, I love to rule rule for the underdog. Okay. Pidge. Yeah, and I love green. Okay. That's All a right. good color. One of my favorite is uh, his version of Merla in the comics. Oh, yeah. Uh, Merla in the comics is certainly much more um, 
let's just say uh, less conservatively dressed <laughs> than Merla in the Voltron television show. <laughs> so here's Merla. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you had been doing Transformers for a while, and then you uh, actually had a book of your own called Mecha Force that you came out with in 2008. What was the secondary title on that, Greg, again? Mecha Force Draw Futuristic Robots That Fly, Battle, and Brawl. So, so how did that book come about? Yeah, how did you get a chance to write a book? When I start working on Transformers, um, people start noticing that, that I draw robots. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, just out of the blue, I think it was Penguin Random House, was it? Was it Penguin? I see uh, the publisher is listed as F and W Media Incorporated. Oh, it's Impact, but... it's impact, impact. Books. Impact okay. Books. Okay. Um, okay. I think they are subsidiary of, of another publisher. Okay. And, okay. You know, I don't know the I don't know the details, but yeah. it's just out of the blue, an editor emailed me, see if I want to write a book. And you know, they asked me if 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 I want to pair up with another writer to write a book. And they also have idea of what they want. Like mostly they want like a like typical typical how to draw books. They will show like different stages of how to draw a robot. But you know, to me, it doesn't actually teach you how to draw robots. The important thing about robots is you have to know perspective. And right. and to me. The internal of the robot is much more important than the ex exterior of the robot. So I suggest to them that we need to start from, you know, showing them, showing the readers how to, how to set up the mechanic in a simplistic kind of way. Um, in the first chapter and, and show people how to draw things in perspective, you know, just quick and easy way of how to deal with perspective. I mean, robot, basically they are boxes on top of boxes, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. they are boxes basically stack on each other. And I want, I want to try to show the reader that's how a robot is constructed and you know each part of them is a box you can you can't get away from perspective so in the first chapter we start doing we start showing the basic of how to construct robots you know like how you translate a human muscle into a robotic parts and uh how to draw cubes in perspective how to draw cylinder in perspective um, you know, basic stuff like that. And then we get into the typical three stages, like uh, construct construction drawing and uh, uh, cleanup drawing and then finish drawing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they go with that idea and, and that's how it came about.
Okay. I think it, I think initially they want me to do transforming robots. They were afraid that that might get into a little bit too much of that, um, you know, licensing problem yeah. with like too much into the transformer territory, right. and they don't. You know they they don't want any trouble with that, right? Oh yeah, certainly not. Well, I I have actually not seen the book myself, but I am fascinated by it. I think I'm actually going to uh, look for a copy after we have our conversation here, right? <laughs> but cool. uh, it sounds really interesting. Now, you uh, your experience with Voltron did not end with Devil's Due Publishing. That's right. Um, Somehow, and I would love to hear the story, you became involved in concept art for Voltron Force, the television series that premiered in 2011 on Nicktoons. So uh, I would love to hear how you became involved and 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 uh, learn more about the work that you did for that. I think the studio got my name from War Even Production. Because of my work on Transformer, I mean, I mean the Voltron comics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as far as I know, war product, war event production, they they like what I did in the Voltron comics. So, you know, so they they suggest that 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 I would, you know, suggest my name to the studio mm -hmm. to um to redesign redesign Voltron basically mm -hmm. um it was one of those things that that I really enjoyed doing is that that they the studio allowed me to do a lot of mechanical like a lot of um my idea of how I should differentiate different uh Voltron lions because in the cartoon and in the comics, there's not a lot, a whole lot of difference between different lions besides the shape and uh, and color. Uh, but uh, with Voltron Force, I get to play around with the idea that that you know each each lion has different property to them, like water prop. Blue lion is is water based. Right. Red lions is fire based, and play around with with their their weapon weapon system. Play around with their um, play around with the their mechanic, and uh, black lion. I gave them a man, a lion man. Mm -hmm. You know things like that. It's it's it's. It's a lot of fun for me to do, you know. At the same time, you know, I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to shape in this robotic ro robotic lion to look more like lions. Mm -hmm. If we look at the real lions, there's a difference between lions and tiger. Oh yeah, right. But with with Voltron, with the old ro Voltron, you. You can almost say they're a tiger and nobody will bat an eye. So I'm I think that's a good argument. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm basically trying to bring the characteristic 
of lion into these robots, into these uh, Voltron Voltron design. So they look, they have more characteristic of of lion rather than tigers. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of fun doing stuff like that. You know, that dream up a brand new Voltron kind of and mm -hmm. and at the same time I gotta be able to tie it back to the nostalgic uh you know factor where it needs to look like Voltron rather than a brand new robot. Right. So uh we do have uh one of the ones that you shared on your uh Twitter account this this was something that you had not completed in the beginning, but uh, in July of 2020, uh, as a bucket list item, you you completed it, and you you said you actually did this for a friend of yours, right? Yeah, for those those of you that have seen the 2011 uh, Voltron Force, it doesn't mm -hmm. look like that. Right. right, it's it's completely redesigned because. Uh, midway through the design design phase, uh, I pretty much have all the all the lions uh, already designed and and ready to uh, combine them into Voltron. But um, I have no idea back back in the day. But Mattel came in and say, "Hey, we we can't do a toy like this." This is too expensive. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea that, that I need to work within a toy budget, although I should probably should have. You know, I mean, these day merchandising is important. But in my mind, when I'm designing a robot, I want it to be translated to to be able to translate to a toy it, almost exactly without mm -hmm. without making a lot of changes mm -hmm. uh, proportion proportion wise their their mechanic wise everything needs to translate correctly i mean if it's not 100% it needs to be at least 90 80% accurate mm -hmm. so that's the mindset when i try to design these characters for uh, for the animated series. But unfortunately, it is too expensive to build a toy like this. You know, so Mattel comes in and say, hey, we cannot, we cannot do a toy like this. We can't, right. we can't, we can't, it's too expensive. So we're going to, take over this project and uh, we're going to redesign it and put your name on it. <laughs> so that's basically what happened. Yeah. I mean, the studio hated it, the idea that, that they would, uh, um, Mattel would take over the design project. Uh, the, uh, the director, um, Stephen Gordon. Ah, Yes. Uh, some of, some of, yeah, some of you might remember his name. Yep. From yeah, the, we actually interviewed X, him X, uh, a few years back. Yeah, yep. X Men Revolution. Right. Mm -hmm. X Men Evolution. He was the director that was tied to the project at the time. Mm -hmm. 
I think he told me afterwards that that he he quit because of it. So Mattel took over the project and um they totally redesigned uh redesigned the lions and yeah. come back and tell me that hey you can finish the design, you know, you can use these lion and design the uh the final final assembly robot. So, you know, that's what I did. I mean, it it wasn't my design. My name was attached to it, attached to it. Um, right. You know, from my perspective, I wasn't happy, but I, I'm still glad to have this opportunity to try my hands on totally uh, reinvent an old cartoon that looks like it's made out of magic to into something a little more solid, more realistic. Honestly, I love that image that you made there a couple years back from the, the, the evolution of that design you had done for Voltron Force. It's, I, I, I dare say it may be my favorite um, uh, incarnation of the robot since the original anime um it looks very uh realistic it has the all the all the major elements that uh that are very identifiable with voltron and uh it just looks really really cool thank you yeah yeah so this is this is why and people have 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 been asking this to us as well uh, this is why at the end of the episodes, why you under see EJ, yeah. yeah, why you say EJ's name under character design at the end of the episode. And funny, well, funny I, enough, it's, it, it's it's right under John Delaney too, who we've also interviewed. Yes, I mean, I guess they credit me for the work that I put in, which uh -huh. is mm -hmm. much appreciated. And I also eventually they did uh, the studio also did have me design several other uh, several other robots in the show. I don't know if they were ever being made, mm -hmm. but you know, I I did take part in uh, multiple design of the characters. Right. Okay. If you were to look for EJ's name on IMDb uh, as a, a character designer for Voltron Force, you won't find it. Well, IMDb it's is not, not on IMDb being very accurate. Yes. So I, <laughs> well, I, just... I wouldn't put a lot of stock in the accuracy right. of that website. <laughs> right. So there you go. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and share something very quickly. That's basically my entire screen here. I've got a selection of images that I found on the internet from your own uh, artistry sites. And um, one thing that I, first of all, down here, this shows some of the work that you put into making uh, these Voltron lion legs uh, realistic from a mechanical perspective and also inspired by organic lion animals. And it's just fascinating to see how much thought you put into these these designs. Yeah, um, these are these are the design sketches that I did 
before I got into the uh, comic. Okay. Uh, EDP comics. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and I just love the way that the collapsed leg here, you know, that this when the leg is all folded up, it has that same general shape that you see in the anime, a sort of magically collapsed uh, leg. And yet you've worked out how all the joints can work to make the lion leg look very realistic and have all the proper articulation. That I, to me is just amazing. I have to tell you, my my cat does the same thing. You, my cat just sits down and and it all the legs are completely gone, and it's just a torso. I I have no idea how the cat does that. <laughs> That's fascinating. So so you know. and and here's some other stuff. So these are sketches of uh, Voltron Force concepts. Um, one thing that I find very interesting is that um, this appears to be your your blue lion design here. And mm -hmm. the head, even though the body was largely redesigned for the television show uh, and, and for toys that ultimately were never made, ironically enough, um, the blue lion head and the green lion head here um, both look virtually identical to what's actually seen in the animated show um so and i saw in the design that mark had posted where you recently finished out your original design the yellow lion has the scar over its left eye again a feature that wound up in the television series so so elements of your concept designs did wind up in the show just not in the form that you would have uh, probably preferred uh, but it's still wonderful that that they wound up there in some form um, and one thing that I find really fascinating here is this image unfortunately is very low resolution but this looks to me and please correct me if I'm mistaken this looks like the Mattel lion design I think with maybe yeah. you conceptualizing how it would transform into Voltron's torso is that is that a correct assumption? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, <clears throat> and this and is, this is after they they did all the redesign on the lions, and then mm -hmm. they bring it back to me to assemble them into the robot form. Okay, and and I would argue that still you are thinking in a much more realistic mechanical. Uh, perspective than the finished product wound up being on the show. I see you put you put a lot of care into reducing the magic <laughs> on the front legs here in particular, where the, the the shoulders split open and the legs collapse to at least give to 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 shorten the legs in some way. Whereas in the final animated show, the legs uh, the front legs of the black lion wound up being fully extended and then magically um inserting into the red and green lions to make the arms so there was a lot of magic in the anime that i would say was even more magical than the original show uh with how the black lion connected to the arms in particular but uh i really love that you continued to put that thought into this uh even though this uh was a deviation from your original design what's Things like this is, you know, it's something that I love to do, you know, working out, working out the magic to make it realistic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just, 
it's just in my blood. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, and I will say that again, even though this, this lion represents Mattel's iteration of the design, I do like that they at least preserve what you introduced in your, I would say, superior design, which is introducing the lion mane on the black lion. So you had introduced the mane, and I, I don't have an image of it right now, but although I, I think their design is is not as interesting as yours visually, I do like they at least that they at least carried the concept forward. Yeah, they they did kept a, a lot of uh, concept ideas from the original design. Yeah. And and uh, I just, the more I see of your work uh, with Voltron and outside of Voltron, the more just impressed I am with your, your thought process and, and your, your sheer talent. It's just amazing to me. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. So uh, I wanted to ask you a quick question about what what types of tools are you using when you do most of your work is it is it like clip studio paint or is it something else that you're using when you're sketching out things like when you go to a con and you're doing maybe um something for somebody that uh asks you to do something what are you typically working on the traditional tool that i use when i'm inking it's i use something called micron Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if if you're familiar with I, it. I'm not. Are you, Greg? I am not. No. 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 Is it uh, an actual physical pen, or are we talking? Yeah, uh, yeah. Software. It, uh, it it's a physical pen. Okay. Um, I also use a, a brush pen, mm -hmm. so I can vary the thickness of the line. That's that's on the uh, side when I'm drawing on paper. Uh, when it comes to uh, digital drawings, I nowadays I mostly use Cliff Studio Paint. Okay. Uh, I also used to do a lot of uh, uh, Sketchbook Pro. That's that's where I did most a lot of the lion design back in the day. Okay. I use use uh, Sketchbook Pro heavily back then and cliff studio wasn't even i don't think it was even around back then right but nowadays i i use cliff studio for most things because it's it's very it's very versatile you know you, you can have different brushes mm -hmm. you can create brushes if you don't like them you can you can paint paint like oil paint if you want to watercolor if you want to so it's very first versatile it's it basically replaced most of what i use so so what would you say is different now like if you're doing the ultraman series or something like that uh versus what you did back when you were working on the ddp comics what do you do differently now as a as a comic book artist I think it's mostly technique. I mean, I love trying out different techniques. So when, whenever I see something I like online, you know, these days there are so many good artists online. Mm -hmm. When I see something I like, I, I, I would look at it and, you know, staring at it for hours and, and goes, 
I want to do something like that. How do I do something like that? How I want to try to do something like that. So, you know, I always try something new and uh, in the recent in the recent years, I've been felt fallen in love with with uh, European. I don't know if there's a term for it, but European hatching technique oh, mm -hmm. or architecture. Like you would have uh, like line lines after line to describe the contour, the shape of an object. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's a term for it. Because I'm, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I don't... Yeah, and I've fallen in love with it, and I'm incorporating some of those techniques into my work. So these days, you will see a lot of cross hatching, or just simply hatching, on my artwork. Uh, back in the day, I don't do a whole lot of that. It, it's more open space, like line open space and lines mm. and sometimes like some drop shadow that's mostly it but uh these days i'm incorporating a lot of uh cross hatching so i can create mint tone rather than just just going from uh zero zero percent black to hundred percent black and mm -hmm. to solid black it it it's just whole different way of doing things. I mean, it just evolved over the years. You know, who knows? In a couple of years, I may be doing something completely different. Wow. And that's gotta be that's gotta be exciting for you as an artist to yeah. continue to stretch and grow. But uh for 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 the same project, I I try to stick with the same technique. Otherwise it will be too jarring. Uh if you look look through my transformer portfolio, you'll see some of the like one shot books. The style is completely different from what I normally do, mm -hmm. and I appreciate IDW. They allow me to do a lot of experiment. Oh, good. So, you know, one book I may do do things one way. Another book, I will do something completely different. Nice. I just, yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do is expand my own boundary, you know, expand my creativity. Mm -hmm. And it, in a way, I, I think that might hinder my, kind of hinder what people are looking for in my artwork too. Mm -hmm. if they don't know what to expect from me. <laughs> you know sometimes people email me ask me to do a project do a project i often wonder what they want from me so it's not it may not be a good thing that i what i'm doing is that you know you don't always get the same thing mm-hmm yeah. and yet, but but it's, if you don't do that how how do you allow yourself to grow unless you you give exactly. yourself those opportunities right right yeah i mean i love to grow myself into you know whatever i don't know what i'm growing into and i <laughs> like to try different things mm -hmm. and um 
you know, I don't want to stuck stuck doing the same thing for 20, 30, 40 years. Right. And I I want to do um all kinds of different things and and all kinds of different technique. I want to try everything. Uh, I mean life is so short. <laughs> you know. It is. I don't want to stuck with the same thing over and over and over and over. It Yeah, you got to awesome. keep things fresh and interesting. So yeah. so speaking of fresh and newer things, if people who are interested in learning more about your more recent work wanted to find uh some of your more recent projects, where would you uh where would you point them to? Um Recently, I've been doing a lot of work for Marvel, mostly covers, but I have been doing this uh, regular thing with Marvel that they publish in their, uh, what you call it, Marvel Unlimited app, where okay. you have to sign up in order to, to read it. Right. I mean, you okay. can, yeah, once you subscribe to it, you got, you know, tons of library of Marvel books you can read. Right. And Marvel has been doing has been doing uh these series of comic called Marvel Infinity. It's it's okay. sort of like webtoon with Marvel characters. Okay. So I've been doing a series of of one of these web comics for Marvel regularly. I'm also working on a uh, on a original graphic novel with Skybound Entertainment. Okay. And I've been working on that for a long, long time because they don't want to put it out unless they have a good volume to put out. Mm -hmm. I, I've been working on that for at least two years. Nice. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm a second volume of that book. And wow. Each volume is about 200 pages. Wow. So, cool. you know, I, I still can't talk about it right now. Right. I can tell you what it is. But, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they will make it, make the announcement soon. Oh, good. Okay. We'll be looking for that. Absolutely. That sounds amazing that you yeah. put all this work into it and, uh, uh, when it's finally announced and released, my goodness, what a, what an amazing volume of work that's going to be. I I hope I hope people will like it because it's, it's it's two three years in the making. Wow. Well, we certainly wish you the best of success with that. Well, so thank you. So you've you've also been to some conventions, right? Yeah. In the past, you've been to places like E3, New York Comic Con, BotCon, but there's one coming up March 10th through the 12th of this year, uh, TFCon LA 2023. That's Transformers Con, right? That's correct. And that's at the Marriott Burbank Airport. So you'll be there right. from March 10th to 12th of this year. Right. This that's this is the second year that I'm, that I'm attending. I normally don't go to a convention too much, too many times because in in the past it it's it's difficult to leave my work and go to convention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
But uh, you know, recently I've been trying to break myself out of the shell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I can't be I can't be just facing the wall all day and uh-huh. every day. I'm just kind of trying to expand myself. Good. Yeah. Get out there and you know talk to people. Of want to talk to me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I it must be it must be really interesting to uh to be able to get real time feedback from someone through a face to face conversation. Uh I know that when we do the podcast here, I mean uh our podcast is certainly not as popular as your comic book work, but <laughs> at this point uh but you uh you know it's it's but we know the feeling of working in kind of a vacuum you know you work on something you send it out there and if you get feedback it's 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 very delayed oftentimes mm-hmm. uh, so to be able to get that face-to-face direct feedback must be a wonderful thing yeah yeah that's what i'm trying to get out of it um it's it's something i need to do because well basically i'm a very shy person it, it's it's hard for me to talk to people and, uh, so, you know, it's a big step for me. I'm I'm trying to hit the convention a little more these days. You know, just just try to change myself. You know, yeah. Try try a little something different. And we are so glad you came out of your shell to join us on the podcast. This has been yeah. such a fun time. Yes, and and we want to let you know that uh, Greg and I are are going to our own convention later this year. Oh, so cool. in October, the do we have the official dates, Greg, for VoltCon? Uh, I don't know the exact dates or if they've been announced just yet. Um, so we've been invited back to VoltCon oh, and okay. uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing because this will be the fifth year of VoltCon. Already? Yeah. So it is a, it is a, it is a celebration of Voltron and uh, giant robots and all that great stuff. So right. uh, cool. it's a lot of fun. Where's so that It takes place in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hmm. So it'll be at Indianapolis and it'll be at the Marriott West. So oh, that'll be the cool. one near the airport. And uh, we have been invited back this year and people can get tickets for it and they can go to voltcon.org to get their tickets. And we are certainly excited for the folks who will get to meet you at the at uh, the convention that you'll be at in March at yeah. TFCon 2023 LA. Yep. Cool, cool. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. So, so we really want to thank you for joining us here on Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast. Well, I appreciate you inviting me. I I don't get invited too often. <laughs> And we'll see you all next time on Let's Voltron. Let's Voltron.